0: This podcast is a ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Tennessee. Trinity Baptist Church exists to exalt God and worship, to equip disciples, and to evangelize the lost. For more information about our church, just visit our website at trinity3e.org. Gospel of Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19 is our text to think about prayers of thanksgiving. As we've been focusing on prayer this month, we've looked at the prayers of praise, prayers of asking, this morning, prayers of thanksgiving. So follow with me as I read from God's word, this instance in the life of Jesus. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them. Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. May God be glorified in the reading and the hearing of his word this morning. There is no doubt in my mind that there are great benefits to living with an attitude of thanksgiving. In fact, Harvard Medical School a few years ago released an article that could be summed up with this phrase. Thankful people are happy people. In that article, they enumerated things that have been discovered, things that are the benefits of giving thanks. Those who regularly practice expressing thankfulness and gratitude feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences more deeply, improve their overall health, deal with adversity better, build stronger and healthier relationships. Those findings were echoed in an article in the Wall Street Journal who summarized the research by stating, Adults who frequently feel grateful have more energy, more optimism, more social connections, and more happiness than those who do not. Those who give thanks are less likely to be depressed, envious, greedy, or alcoholics. The thankful earn more money sleep more soundly, exercise more regularly, and have greater resistance to viral infections. If that's not enough to make you give thanks, I don't know what is. Researchers are finding that gratitude begins brings similar benefits in children and adolescents. Kids who feel and act grateful tend to be less materialistic get better grades, set higher goals, complain of fewer headaches and stomach aches, and feel more satisfied with their friends, families, and schools. Isn't it amazing that with all those benefits, ingratitude is still rampant today? One of the reasons that ingratitude seems to be at epidemic proportions today is that our culture has a sense of entitlement. We deserve things. I don't have to give thanks for what I deserve. In fact, entitlement teaches us that we have a right to be angry when we don't get what we believe we deserve. Pastor John Ortberg points out how this attitude of entitlement has proliferated our culture, causing a lot of lawsuits when we don't get what we think we're entitled to. For example, did you know that the San Francisco Giants were once sued for passing out Father's Day gifts to men only? A psychic was awarded almost a million dollars when a doctor's CAT scan, according to her, impaired her psychic abilities. Of course, one would have to wonder if she was really psychic. Couldn't she have predicted that? It's not only a sense of entitlement that leads to ingratitude, but it's a sense of self-reliance and independence. That, that American sense of rugged individualism that says, I've earned what I have gotten. Therefore, who do I give thanks to? There's a, a film that came out way back when in 1965 called Shenandoah starring Jimmy Stewart. And I will not attempt a Jimmy Stewart imitation, although it's very tempting. In that film, Jimmy Stewart plays Charlie Anderson, a widowed farmer in the Shenandoah Valley. The Civil War has broken out and this farmer played by Jimmy Stewart is trying his best to keep his family from getting involved. He has six sons who live with him, a daughter and a daughter-in-law. At the beginning of the film, his family gathers around the dinner table to eat and Charlie Anderson asks his family to bow in prayer as he says, Grace, these are his words. Lord, we cleared this land we plowed it, sowed it, and harvest it. We cooked the harvest. It wouldn't be here and we wouldn't be eating it if we hadn't done it all ourselves. We worked dog bone hard for every crumb and morsel. But we thank you, Lord, just the same for the food we're about to eat. Amen. Of course, throughout the film, his attitude changes. Now, often our ingratitude is not as brazen as that prayer. Our ingratitude often shows up in more subtle ways. You know what some symptoms of ingratitude are? Complaining. Bitterness. Jealousy is another symptom of ingratitude, as well as discontentment. Ingratitude should never be used to describe a follower of Jesus Christ. We have far too much for which to be thankful. We should never be lumped in with the non-lepers or the healed lepers who never returned to give thanks. We should be of kindred spirit with this Samaritan who returned to give thanks to Jesus. And I want to give you some reasons why thankfulness should absolutely proliferate our lives as believers. Reasons from this text. Here are some reasons for giving thanks. First of all, we should always give thanks because our Lord Jesus is accessible. Look at the geographic description given in verses 11 and 12. He's on his way to Jerusalem. Now that phrase typifies the latter part of the Gospel of Luke as Jesus has set his face to go to Jerusalem in order to die. But in going, he takes a very serendipitous route. He doesn't take the express way. It's as if Jesus had meetings he was aware of at other places than the main roads. Because we find him passing along between Samaria and Galilee. He's on the border. And in fact, not only is he there, he enters a village, a small place. It's it's not even important enough that its name is listed. It could be that this village had an address of Nowheresville, Samaria. But yet here's Jesus. Isn't it good to know he's accessible? He's where we are. You don't have to make an appointment. You don't have to hope that he has time for you. You don't have to wait for for an hour, just for a minute of his time. Our Lord is present and available. He's always just a prayer away. Isn't that the beauty of the name Emmanuel that we'll be singing much of in the next coming month? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. Not just near us or beside us, but with us, in the midst of us, on our side. Indeed, as Paul wrote in Romans, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God is with us, what need we fear? Charles Spurgeon, the famed pastor of the late 19th century, spoke these words. Emmanuel, God with us in our nature in our sorrow, in our life work, in our punishment, in our grave, and now with us, or rather we with Him, in resurrection, ascension, triumph, and second advent splendor. And it's even more amazing, not just where Jesus is geographically, but who He talks with in this passage. He's with the outsider. The outcast. The one that society says, we have no place for you. Verse 12, he's met by ten lepers. Now leprosy is a a general phrase used for skin diseases that were considered to be highly contagious. According to the Old Testament, lepers were to be kept at a distance, often living in colonies outside of villages and towns. And if they were to wander out of their colony, going into town, seeking to beg alms, the lepers were to call out, unclean, unclean, to warn those that might be near them not to get too close lest they become unclean. Understand that unclean meant that one was not fit to be in the presence of community and certainly not in the presence of God. See, in the Old Testament, there were two broad distinctions, unholy and holy that which was not set apart to God and that which was set apart to God. And then within that umbrella of holy, there were two categories, clean and unclean. The clean had full rights to be within community, within the people of God, and and to go to the temple and worship, but the unclean, not until they had been purified could they be part of society and part of worship. Jesus never shies away from those that society has rejected those whom society would look at as unclean, although we would never use those words, Jesus meets with open arms. A woman with a bleeding disorder and overdue medical bills blends in with a crowd hoping to see and maybe even touch Jesus. And when she does, she is healed. When Jesus meets eyes with her, He doesn't rebuke her or say, Why did you touch me? Instead, he affirms the healing that she has received. A tax collector, a man of short stature and bad reputation, climbs a tree to see Jesus. And ends up hosting Jesus for dinner at Jesus' initiative. A man put away by society because he is uncontrollable and possessed by demons is set free by Jesus. That's our Lord reaching out to the down and out. Reaching out to you and me because at some point every one of us plays the role of the outsider. Feeling we don't fit in. No one understands us. Feeling the sting of rejection, yet here we are reminded that our Lord is not just with us and among us, He hears us and says, Come unto me, all you who are weary and outcast, and I will give you rest and love. That comes from His mercy, which is the second reason we can be thankful. Jesus is merciful. These lepers cry out to him in verse 13. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. It's a very broad request. They didn't specifically ask for healing. It's very possible. They could have been crying out for money or for food. But they asked for mercy. Be compassionate to us, Jesus. Everyone else sends us away. Please don't. Be compassionate to us, Jesus. Nobody listens to us. Will you hear us? Be compassionate to us, Jesus. We are hurting and suffering. Nobody can heal us, Jesus. Will you? And Jesus does not turn away from them because he is the very mercy of God. He pours out the mercy of God and he does so without measure. So believers, we have reason to be thankful no matter our circumstances. For we know we have received the mercy of God. We need to be thankful because when we deserved wrath, He gave us grace. We need to be thankful because when we deserved condemnation, He has given us compassion. We are to be thankful because we deserved death, yet He has given us life. That's reason to be thankful no matter the circumstance. We are to be thankful because he heals. We see this in verse 14. He saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. It's interesting, Jesus in this instance does not say, You are healed. He gives them a command. In other words, go and show yourself to the priest. They did this because priests acted like the, the, the general practitioners for those who are considered unclean. If you felt like you were ready to be part of society, you're Disease had been healed. You went and you showed yourself to the priest. And the priest would give the, the thumbs up. Yes, you're ready. So Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priest. As they went, as they acted in obedience to the command, they were cleansed. It's an interesting word. It's not the normal word for healing. It's a word that deals with purified. The illness was gone, the leprosy removed. Their going was an act of faith. We serve a God who heals. And the healings performed by Jesus show that the kingdom of God was at hand. One of the questions debated greatly today is this. Does God still heal? I answer unequivocally, yes, he does. Now the next follow-up question usually comes out of pain and suffering. Why hasn't he healed me then? Or my loved one? In answer to that question, I would remind you of this. First, the story isn't over. We don't know how God is working, or when, or how he will work. So keep that in mind. God works in His timing, for He is the master of time to accomplish His will. Therefore, keep persevering, relying, keep seeking, asking, and knocking. Second, I would remind us as believers that we are in a win-win situation. We're winners, no matter what. I'm reminded of the words of Paul when he said, To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Applying that to healing, that means should God choose to heal by whatever means He determines, whether it be through medical means or a miraculous way, we praise His name. Why? His power has been displayed through that healing. Should healing be delayed? We praise His name anyway. Why? Because His strength is on display in that, that, that situation. So no matter what God's glory is displayed in our lives, His strength is evident. So we are reminded that live or die, we are His. Strong or struggling, we are His. Whole or broken, we are His. Therefore, we can give thanks. Most of all, we can give thanks because Jesus saves. Verse 19, we read what happened with this one who turned back. One comes back. And he comes back praising God with a loud voice. I love how that's emphasized. A a, a mega voice is is really what the, the Greek reads. He had received this healing from God and he comes back not just quietly. I've got to praise tonight. I've got to praise. I have been healed. He falls on his face at the feet of Jesus. An act of worship. Giving him thanks. He was a Samaritan. Luke continually emphasizes how the kingdom of God is for all peoples. The Samaritan was the outcast, as I mentioned earlier. It's implied that the other nine were of the Jewish faith. They should have known to come back or at least give thanks to God, but this Samaritan comes. After Jesus asked the question, where where are the other nine? He speaks to this one who returned, rise and go your way. The next phrase should draw our attention. Your faith has made you well. Now it would be easy to read and interpret that as Jesus saying, what just happened happened because of faith. But I think there's something different taking place here. Made well is a different word than found in verse 14. And verse 15. Different word. The word that is found for made you well is the word sozo. It's a word that means saved. Your faith has saved you. I believe this was the moment that this leper, former leper, was not only healed physically, but spiritually by the grace of God. And it was thanksgiving that opened the door for this greater healing. This former leper fell at the feet of Jesus. That's an act of worship for which he was not rebuked. In other places when a human is, or a being other than God is attempted to be worshipped, they are rebuked. John falls face first at the feet of an angel and the angel says, don't worship me, get up. Jesus did not rebuke this man from giving him worship and giving him thanks. Why? I believe this Samaritan recognized that this was God incarnate in front of him. In recognition of who Jesus is, he is saved. Isn't it good to know that those of us who believe in the Lord Jesus will one day meet this healed leper? But this passage contains a warning. The warning is found in the question, were not ten cleansed, where are the other nine? Ten people experienced the power of God and the mercy of God generally, but only one is saved. It is very possible that we can be exposed to the power of God, even receive acts of mercy generously from God's hand. And still not be saved. Remember Jesus himself said. Not everyone who cries out Lord, Lord. Is saved. The difference is humility. Humility to bow before the Lord. And confess him as Savior. Repenting of our sins. We are saved by faith. By God's grace. But an act of faith is bowing down and saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And that comes from humility. Giving thanks is an act of humility where we say we have received something we do not deserve. Giving thanks is learned. We're taught to be thankful. The reality is gratitude does not come naturally to us. That's one of the reasons it's important to teach children to say thank you. But what about us adults? Is it too late for us to learn Thanksgiving? No. I want to share with you some thoughts on how we can learn gratitude. These come from Chris Winfield, who is an author and a a blogger. He says that often we find ourselves thinking, why did this have to happen to me? He said that was his life. He said it didn't matter if it was big or small. He was in a constant state of poor me. He said, but what changed things in his life is that when he began writing a gratitude list every single day for over two years, and he said it has changed his life profoundly. Here are four things he learned that can help us learn to give thanks. Recognize it's hard at first. His mentor told him to text him three things that he was grateful for every day. And it sounds easy, Chris writes, but it wasn't. He said, when you've lived most of your life not focusing on gratitude, it's not simple to change that. So we have to develop the habit. The second thing is to develop that habit by recognizing there is always something to be grateful for. Always. No matter what is going on in life, business problems, sickness, someone cuts you off in traffic, there's always a choice you have to make to be grateful. remember hearing the words of the... Late Reggie Watt, when he was at UT way back in the early 80s, heard this from a, a player that was on the team, that Reggie was an imposing figure. If you don't remember him, Reggie was a mountain of a man in the NFL Hall of Fame, one of the greats at UT. Oh, how we wish we had him today. Said he was a freshman and it was two-a-day practices in August. The team had gathered around and this was under Coach Johnny Majors and Johnny was getting ready to dismiss the team when when Reggie White, a freshman, spoke up and said, Coach, could I say a prayer as we end practice? Johnny was a little bit reticent to do that. It was hot. It was August in Knoxville and it was hot. But it was Reggie White. So Coach Majors said, well, sure, Reggie, go ahead. And Reggie White said, let's pray, man. God, I want to thank you for how hot it is today. Because it reminds me of how hot hell is and that I'm not going to be there. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. (laughs) Always something to give thanks for. Number three, gratitude grows the more you use it. Start basic. Once you consistently start to look for things to be thankful for, it will get a bit easier. It will become a habit in your life, a good habit. And keep this in mind. As I began this message with the benefits of giving thanks, this blogger, Chris Winfield, also mentions that giving thanks stops negative thought patterns. According to the laboratory of neuroimaging, the average person has 70,000 thoughts each day. But the big problem is that most of those are negative. Stopping negative thoughts by replacing them with something positive is a benefit of giving thanks. So start with a gratitude list and share it with someone. This is what I'm thankful for today. Denzel Washington is one of the best known actors in Hollywood. He's won two Academy Awards. Washington, Denzel Washington, professes faith in Christ. He stated publicly that he reads his Bible every day and he strives consistently to get up and to give thanks to God for what God has done for him. In November of 2015, he was speaking at a church banquet. And he was speaking on this issue of gratitude. Denzel Washington said these words, Give thanks for blessings every day. Every day. Embrace Gratitude encourage others it is impossible to be grateful and hateful at the same time I pray that you put your slippers way under your bed at night so that when you wake up in the morning you have to start on your knees to find them and while you're down there say thank you a bad attitude is like a flat tire until you change it you're not going anywhere give thanks Meister Eckhart was a German philosopher, theologian, not as well known as Denzel Washington. Meister Eckhart said, If the only prayer you said your whole life was, thank you, that would be enough. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning. You may be at a place where the problems of life have overwhelmed you, and you're finding bitterness. Growing in your heart like a weed. This morning, I want to encourage you to ask the Lord to change your heart. To ask Him to say, Lord, give me an attitude of thanksgiving. Father, instead of being negative, help me to look to you. For some of us, it's very possible that negativity has become such a part of our lives, we don't even realize it. So this morning, would you be willing to pray this very bold prayer? Lord, if I'm ungrateful, show that to me. To be bold and say, Lord, let me know the state of my heart. This morning as we sing, you may just want in your heart and mind to be giving thanks unto the Lord for the great things he has done. Or to make a commitment today to say, you know what, I'm going to try to put into practice every day thinking of three things I'm thankful for. And I'm going to share them with someone. You know, it's, it sends out contradictory messages when we speak of the joy of God. Yet live lives of grumbling, complaining, and ingratitude. So Father, hear our prayer this morning. Reveal our hearts to us. And if we are guilty of being like the other nine and going on with our life, forgive us. Create within us a spirit of giving thanks to you to glorify your name as a means of of pointing to your glory. And Father, I pray that, that, Father, if there's anyone this morning that has heard this message, that maybe they've been coming to Trinity for a while, Lord, but they've never placed their faith in you. Let them know that the offer of salvation is extended to them this very day and stir their hearts to respond, O oh God. Thank you, Father, for being so good to us. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.